1116 SEN, the Four Diego's. G'day, and welcome to the Four Diego's here on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Rodrigo Rodriguez with you on a foggy Wednesday night. And uh, thanks to Mark Fine, as usual, on another fantastic show. And also the GBU crew and the famous number 16. Vinny Venezuela is in the house as well. Welcome, Vin. Thank you very much, Rodrigo. Can I just uh, send out an apology to the people of Kyneton? I, I, <laughs> I just want to reassure them that uh, when I was doing the line on Sunday, um, the flag was up for offside for that third goal. It was I, They didn't think I put the flag up. Right. And the ref miss it? Well, it was because of me that the ref uh, disallowed the goal. Right, right. But the, the people on the bench there at Kyneton thought that I was doing a really lousy job. Oh. And I just want them to know that my flag was up and I did the right thing, even though it cost my, my Lily Venezuela's team a goal. <laughs> All right. You're a man of integrity, Vinny Venezuela. It stayed down for the second goal, and I think that was a 50-50. Right. But uh, it was a clear victory to Lily Venezuela's team. Speaking of men of integrity, um, Warren. Yeah, no, number 16 was actually my favourite all-time number. It's the first ever score I got in junior cricket. So there you go. That's oh, there why. You go. But um, I will vouch for Vinny here in terms of his integrity, but I will also vouch, having <laughs> had some experience doing the line in junior soccer games, what tends to happen when you get the official referee is because I think they doubt the integrity of the designated uh, uh, yeah, the designated lines person that when you do put your flag up for a legitimate offside, they often ignore you. Yes, and that they know is, that that incurs the wrath mm. of fans when you've actually done the right thing and supporters. So it's a it's a moral dilemma. You do the right thing and it's still ignored, and then they turn on you. So. Vinny, I know you did the right thing. I ate my lunch in Kyneton very briskly, <laughs> Warren. I, it was rushed. I got a bit of indigestion yeah. because of the fear of being sort of attacked. And no disrespect to people who live in Kyneton, but it's just one of those towns. Yeah. No, and look, oh, and great, can I just hats off town. to Kyneton. Great, great soccer club down there too. Great pitch. It was a great day. Uh, but I do apologise. <laughs> but I did want to clear the air on that one. So you didn't decide to eat in Wood End or anywhere like that? <laughs> no, I just ate quickly in Kyneton. Yeah, yeah. Don't stop in Wood End. G'day, uh, Carlos. I was, just, I was just happily just listening to everyone's stories there, Rodrigo. I could just sit back the whole show and listen to you. I'd like to apologise to our friends there at Wonga Park Football Club uh, for, for my linesman, uh, assistant referee performance a couple of weeks ago. It's a bog out there, but I love the passion, and uh, it's very hard to run away from uh, seething parents who are not happy with a couple of uh, decisions. But it's those outer suburbs, those growing areas, with uh, a lot of passion in the football clubs and stuff, uh, they do get a little bit fired up uh, when they feel that there's, uh, you know, uh, a foreign referee coming in and maybe not doing the job that they expect. My, I had to order the cappuccino without the froth, <laughs> Carlos. Such was my rush to get out of town. <laughs> I think they live for the game in the outer suburbs. They, they fantastic. live for the game. I've got to say, maybe I did such a poor performance on the line because I was just in awe of what they do there. I mean, from the canteens, you talked about the fantastic yep. canteens. The, the hot pies, are real mm. hot pies in oh. those places. The hot dogs, there's no muck, there's no mystery stuff in the hot dogs. It's all fair income hot dogs, and the barbecues are fantastic. That's why I like to go to the junior football on the weekends when they get a chance. Yeah, the hot pies with the uh. nice, crusty Oh, yeah, they yeah. do it well. <laughs> they do it well. Are you back, you're back with us, Rodrigo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about lines and stuff like that. Now you're talking. Now you're talking. <laughs> Got a big show for you tonight. 
tonight, of course. Uh, we'll take your calls on any topic tonight. There's a big one as well we're going to uh, yeah. talk about in a minute. 942-911-16. And we'll catch up with Mike McGrath from The Sun a little bit later on to talk more about the UK stuff. There's a game going on in China at the moment. Guangzhou Evergrande and Western Sydney Wanderers. It's nil all in the 55th minute. Are we claiming them as our own, West Sydney Wanderers? I think for the purposes of this uh, yeah. Asian Champions League, I think we should. I'll tell you what, they're keeping the Chinese out. The Chinese have been angry since they've actually arrived in <laughs> the, the China. They, you know, there were four or five. I can't say there was mobs waiting for them at the airport. Yeah. Mystery there, bus crashes, yeah, Carlos? There was four or five supporters there, but they had the diving signs for Saba. <laughs> they did too. And, uh, and they apparently were knocking on players' doors last night at 3 o'clock in the morning yeah. to keep them awake. So Somebody raided the bus. Uh, not yeah. raided, um, kind of, you know, Side-swiped. In, swipe, yeah, side-swiped yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the team bus as well. Yeah. It, uh, do you reckon Marcello Lippi <laughs> bought a ticket? <laughs> do you reckon he refused to pay the booking fee? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's sitting yeah. there in the stands, of yeah. course, just But they've done the well. Game. It's still nil all. Yep. And, uh, and it's funny watching the Chinese crowd choreograph jumping up and down. And yeah. they don't look all that happy either. Nil all with 55 minutes to go. Of course, uh, West Sydney Wanderers have a 1-0 lead from the first leg. So uh, Guanzhou has got a bit of work to do. Mm. Yeah, Lippi's surrounded by the Chinese secret police in the stands. He's not allowed to communicate. He's not allowed to do anything. So... Uh, he won't want to do anything wrong because, yeah. And in the cricket in Zimbabwe, <laughs> South Africa are two for 106 after 18 overs in reply to Australia's uh, seven for 327. They're doing well. That's a huge game. It is. It is. Uh, Aaron Finch scoring 100 tonight, which was excellent. Hey, the hot topic tonight on 0433 uh, Warren, it has to be, it has to be about... Uh, the uh, Liverpool legend to be Mario Balotelli, <laughs> Super Mario. Yeah, Super Mario. Are you what excited? Do you think, what do you What do you think? Are you Are you happy? I, I reckon this is going to be fun from a from yes. a neutral perspective. Watching how he's going to disrupt the family values at Liverpool. The, the you know the 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 family values of Brendan Rodgers has has you know turned around two or three decades where they they'd lost their way, they'd lost their identity. Brendan Rodgers starting to get it back, and then he loses Suarez. One problem child and brings one, another one in, who's probably a lot worse. Many families have been started on the back of Mario Balotelli's excitement on the field, Carlos, can I, I say. I'm sure where that sentence was going. And that's the quintessential way of... Are you genuinely happy that he's oh, coming? Oh, well, look. You've got no, to be worried. There's no, got to be I'm some not. trepidation. There is, tre- there is a mild degree of trepidation. What does he bring? Well, we know he brings firecrackers. He'll bring that to the table. Look, it's hard to know. I mean, I think thinking you know, about why they did it. They're actually looking to sign, you know, Bonnie for nineteen million and Remy for twelve million. They get Balotelli for sixteen million. I think we know that with his ability on the field, he's better than a sixteen million pound striker. He's a quality player, but who knows? His scoring record when he was last in, in England at Man City for the last year and a half was poor. Mancini he scored 30 out of 50. Uh, yeah, 54. 30 out of 54 at AC. Yeah. So he, he's going to score goals. He'll play with Sturridge on the weekend against Tottenham, which will be an interesting start. But um, oh, you'd have to say it's a risk, no doubt. But, you know, they probably needed to do something. So there you go. So that's the hot topic on 0433981116. What will Mario Balotelli bring to Liverpool? Um, just, uh, just quickly, Western Sydney Wanderers have got a penalty. At the moment, going to call this, uh, In the fifty-eighth minute, um, is that game, t- 
Tommy Rogic. No, no, to, not Tommy, <laughs> Tommy Rogic. Tommy, Tommy Urich. I can't it's see It's a bit of a, it's a long shot that we can't really tell. Looks like Tommy Urich is lining up. The referee is telling everyone to get outside the uh, semicircle. Tommy, Tommy Rogic has got his, he's uh, focusing on that ball. Urich. Urich. Urich, sorry. Uh, we've got the goalkeeper. Yeah, we've got the keeper there who is nervous <laughs> on that. Jeez, uh, he looks nervous, the keeper. Tommy uh, steps in and slots it in beautifully to the Right and low. It's one, nil. and he's telling the crowd to shush at the moment. So they need three goals now. Carlos. Absolutely, that's great mathematics there, Vinny, uh, Warren <laughs> Diego, and they're celebrating with gusto too. West Sydney Wanderers. That's one nil after what sixty or so minutes there, Rodgers. Yep, absolutely. So Game we, over. Uh, I'll call it. I was going to say, can we go back to the Balotelli sure, thing? Sure. I think he's a great player. Uh, when he turns up. The problem with, obviously, the challenge with Balotelli is to get him to turn up week in, week out. Now, uh, the other interesting thing with the Liverpool thing is that uh, Rodgers did such a good job at turning Suarez, bringing Suarez back from wherever he was when he had his sort of brain explosions and, you know, his racist rants and his biting and all of that, and he was very unsettled. And, and the fact that Rodgers... And, and Gerard and, and, and the whole Liverpool community managed to sort of get uh, Suarez back in line, which was really mm. re- saved Suarez's career, really. He was going nowhere. No one would have paid diddly squat for him. Yeah. I think that if anyone can maybe turn him around, it could be someone like Brendan, Brendan Rodgers. But they're saying, Vinny, that uh, the big problem, say someone like a Jose Mourinho, who's had a lot of success with his teams and the players wherever he's gone around the world, but he had a big problem with uh, Mario Balotelli. He said he was Tamalan. uncoachable. Well, he said he was uncoachable, which is <clears throat> there's not many players that Jose Mourinho's coached that he said, that he's described as uncoachable. So, but and Roberto Mancini had his problems, as you know, uh, with him too. And they're saying that apparently, if you try and be a surrogate father, and a lot of these guys step in saying you're a troubled soul, yep. let me be a surrogate father or a mentor to you. Apparently, he rejects all that. He hates it. He just wants to be treated like everyone else. So it'll be interesting, interesting to see what Brendan Rodgers said. And by the way, Warren, it's not that he's putting up a, some sort of glass half full thing. He was asked at a press conference, uh, I think last week about what Mario Balotelli would bring to Liverpool. And the first word he said was trouble. <laughs> and that's when. Oh, he's, and he's openly admitted he's been, that it's yeah, a risk. It's a huge risk. It's a huge risk. By the way, having said that, he'll give you one good year. I, he'll give you six months to one year, brilliant football, and you'll think he's right. It's only when he gets comfortable where he'll start yeah, that's going, going off the The thing uh, with the Balotelli, rise. too, he's, his career now is on the cusp. He's on the brink of just falling over the cliff yeah. and, and never being able to climb up. So if he uh, wants a long career in the world game... I suspect that this is his last big club because if it doesn't happen at Liverpool, it's not going to happen anywhere else. Yeah, he's but going to disappear but somewhere. Every manager he's had has said that, and, and these are not you know, B-grade managers. They're all no, great managers. But, They've but, all said it too. I remember Roberto Mancini saying that you know, really he's at, at the crossroads when he was at Manchester City. But, he goes to AC Milan, again, starts off on fire, everyone loves him, and guess what? Milan's willing to offload him for $16 million. The, so, front, the frontal lobe... Carlos, as you know, develops yeah. at a particular age, and I think that Mario is probably on the yeah. cusp of it sort of being ready. And it yeah. develops a little bit later for boys as well. It does. It's uh, one all over there in uh, China at the moment. Ooh. Guangzhou have just scored. Still and game so over. It's 60th minute or so. Hot chicks is what he'll bring, says Steve <laughs> from Heidelberg. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. What will Mario Bayotelli bring uh, to uh, to Liverpool?
He also brings a bronze statue of himself, <laughs> says uh, Jeff Dinho in Kensington. Thank you very much. Keep them coming in. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Hey, let's we'll come back to the English Premier League and talk about uh, Angel Di Maria and uh, some others as well. But um, let's talk about some of the some of the boys, our Australian boys, boys, our boys that are doing well overseas. Jason Davidson, of course. Uh, West Bromwich, uh, Albion scoring again, and man of the match performance, Carlos. Yes, uh, against West, uh, West Bromwich, Albion was playing in the Capital One, kissing his sister cup uh, overnight. <laughs> still, and still best on ground, Carlos. Best on ground. Yeah. It was a kissing, kissing his sister, brilliant kissing his Brownlow performance. They're important at this yeah, stage it, of his career. Absolutely. Yes, but but he, Carlos, but he, for, for a team like West Bromwich, Al- mm. Albion, it's not kissing your sister. That's like silk. No, it's important. No, it is important for him. Yeah, and it is important for West Brom. They were playing Oxford United, though. And, uh, you know, and it's you, a big game for Oxford United. Absolutely. It's a huge game Puts for Oxford. On the map. And by the way, uh, Oxford United, I think they're League One. League they, one. Cor- they are correctly in League One. Yeah, yes. League One. And, uh, and apparently they hadn't gone, they haven't gone all that well so far this season. So they, they're not a League One team that, uh, has high hopes. And they really did, uh, push West Bromwich Albion. And the coach of, uh, West Brom had come out after the game was very disappointed, but he did speak glowingly of our Jason Davidson. The penalties were at six all, and they had up stood, uh, uh, stepped uh, Jason after 120 minutes of running up and down that pitch, and he slotted it uh, right foot, top left hand corner with a plomb. Absolutely sensational. Matthew Lecky with uh, Ingolstadt uh, in Germany also is starring as well, and yeah. uh, so some of the boys are doing extremely well over there. In, yeah, uh, in Europe. And by the way, you know Matthew Leckie scored one and uh, and there was one assist for the other goal to, to help them win the game. Uh, yeah, I've got a really good feel. I mean, we had on on uh, Daniel Harford's show today half time. We talked about you know whether you know what people were suggesting with their last, with this group of players that they're not anywhere near the golden generation that's uh, just you know gone through their football since the two thousand six World Cup. Well, I argue that that's not the case. I argue that this group here, and I've said this before, I think this Socceroos squad, the next 10-year Socceroos squad would be, would be the best one we've ever had. But I think the individual players uh, are in a position where they're going to explode in the next five or six years. You'll see the Jason Davidsons, Matthew Leckie, Matty Ryan, Josh Brillante yeah, yep. in uh, Fiorentina. Even guys like Danny De Silva, who uh, has gone over and play, is over there at AS Roma. Uh, and other kids, Tommy Orr is playing really good yep. football in Holland at the moment. There's something about this crop. Now, there's no Harry Kuehl yet no, no. in this crop, but as far as them matched up against or com- compared to the other people in this so-called golden generation, I think the, I think in time we'll see that they will be just as good. I really like the fact that Chris Hurd is in this team mm. after going through his troubles at Aston Villa at the end of last season. I think he probably would have made the squad. And I'm glad that yep. uh, I'm glad that you and spoke Brad to Smith. Brad Smith. Yeah, I did have boy. a quiet word to Brad yeah. before he went off to Swindon. I don't know where that is. You know, he's played under-17s England, under-19s yeah, England, under-21. he's under chosen 21. to play for Australia. And under-21s England. I mean, fair yep. nickname. Talk about... Talk about Pedigree. Them, yeah, them, talk about them trying to lock him in, and he's turned around. And uh, I wonder why that was, Warren. I wonder, if he, I wonder if he was playing first-team football with Liverpool, because I know they farmed him out to Swindon, right? Yep. But if he was playing first-team football in Liverpool, I wonder whether he would have uh, declared his allegiances to England. Yeah, well, they reckon they've been talking to him for a while, so it is good that, that he's there. And uh, also, Bailey Wright, I saw a, um, a Preston North End game on the TV, and he was he's a good little player too. 
So we're talking now, obviously, about uh, Ange Postacoglu's team yep. that he uh, selected for those two games, one against Belgium on the 4th of September and the other one against uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, and that game's going to be played in England. The Belgium game is in Belgium on the 8th of September. Any, there's some interesting, it's an interesting squad, and uh, you know, he's, picked some, he's picked some young boys in this. Terry Antonis, obviously, also makes the squad, which is an interesting selection. He finished the, the A-League season really well for Sydney last, uh, last season, and... You remember he had that really long layoff with injury. Uh, I can't remember. Mm. He had some issue. Had injury, knee, was it? Mm. I'm not sure what it was, but uh, he was out for like 18 months. Couldn't get it. No, quad. It was a quad, quad. injury because couldn't get it right. Because you remember how he was going over to Can Italy, we... and I'm not sure, was it Lazio or one of the big clubs Ooh. over there? And uh, and he had uh, a contract locked in until he got injured, and then the Italians didn't want to go through with it. And for 18 months, he struggled, and he came back late last season, started playing really good football. So I think he's got his reward there. So, But I really like the idea of uh, now Chris Hurd, definitely, mm. after having a few problems. No, no one really talked about what happened there, because he actually basically just stopped playing last season. And he just said, uh, for due to personal reasons, I won't be playing for a while. And now he's back in training, and uh, and I'm not quite sure what the problem was, but it's great because there was talk of him maybe playing for Scotland. So uh, it's great that he's uh, signed for us. The other one I like, and it's interesting, is Carl Valeri comes into mm. the team after really being overlooked, and he's come back to the victory. I haven't actually seen victory play yet, so I don't know how he's been going. But um, I would have thought he's the type of guy that Ange would like because he, he, he is wholehearted when he plays. Well, look, I think for Larry, it is good to see him back. And you talk about experience and, and, and needing to sort of, you gotta, you gotta plug the Bresciano hole at some point, And we've probably got Valeri for a few more years to do that, if, if that be the case. So that's a good thing. Uh, Tommy Juric, the one who, I'm not even going to say who he plays like or he could, or he could be like, but <laughs> it's an interesting proposition because we need, we need to develop our prongness. Well, it's interesting you say that, Vinny, because uh, off the SMS, uh, no name to this one, but uh, what? what? You're having a laugh. Who's your Viduca, Grella or Bresciano, for example? These players were playing regularly in the top divisions, not second tier. How people forget. Well, let me just say, I did my homework on the uh, the whole, where, where these guys started making it at, at a decent level, and all of them, except for Bresch. Bresch started playing for Palmer at 22. Vinny Grella only started playing... For Palmer, which which where he still where he started getting a name for himself in, at a, at a decent level around the world at 23, and uh, even Mark Viduka at 23 went from uh, Dino Zagreb to Celtic, where he started making a real name for himself. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, well, Vinnie Grella, as I said, uh, is a 23 year old. It's at that age where all these guys started to make a name for themselves and started to play at the real top top level in good, good teams. Uh, well, guess what? Jason Davidson at 23 is playing for West Bromwich Albion. Best on ground today. Played on the weekend for half an hour. Not saying he's, he's actually made it yet, but he's showing great signs. Someone like um, uh, Matthew Leckie, again, had a fantastic World Cup. You've got to remember these guys in this golden generation, and I'm going to call them this golden generation. All right. They've already had a World Cup group of death experience, whereas... The last golden generation didn't have that experience until they were in their mid-20s or late-20s. Okay, so uh, I, I still believe, and this whole thing about who's going to be Viduka, well, who, we're, we're not trying to replace Viduka. How good's Leckie going to be? Now, Leckie will never be a Viduka, but Leckie will bring to the table a Leckie style of play. So, you know, it's not – we're comparing against players mm. that, you know, I mean, someone like a Tommy Urich. Warren likes calling him the next Viduka. 
right? Uh, Ali Babalj, people have been talking him talking about him being the next Viduka. Well, if they become to that level, he, they might be like a Viduka. Yeah. Matthew Leckie is the one I'm looking at at the moment. And uh, and you can't like people can't deny how good he was in that World Cup. And uh, a guy with playing second division in Bundesliga get picked up by a decent side in the Bundesliga one or in in the English Premier League or an Italian league. Or can you imagine how good this kid's going to be? He's twenty three, so I, I'm not worried at all. And I don't want to be going back and comparing against our older uh, players individually in the other in, in in previous years because these guys are. Are going to be going to make a name for themselves, not necessarily being compared to someone else. And I'm just wondering if we can get our research department on and just see whether it's the first time in Socceroos history that two players have come from Swindon Town. (laughs) (laughs) If somebody can research that for me, we've got uh, yes, we've got Massimo Longo and uh, and Brad Smith, who's there, of course, on loan. But I think that's a unique, and we should be. Reaching out to the people of Swindon Town and thanking them, I think. <laughs> for the we should get the mayor of Swindon Town on the show one we night. We should, actually. And actually, this would be a big milestone for a them. Sister, a brother, what are they, those sister relationships you have with other cities? I think that should happen. And by the way, with Timmy Cale, uh, I've got an uh, SMS coming through right now saying, well, how about Timmy Cale? He's going to be a Timmy Cale. Well, Timmy Cale didn't play for Everton until he was 24. Okay, He went from Millwall to Everton at 24. So uh, he started making a career for himself. Uh, at that stage. Now, we've got, still got the young guys who've got a World Cup under their belt and individually played quite well. As a team, we didn't get the results, I know, but individually played quite well. So I'm willing to uh, wait five or six years and see how good these guys get and whether we do have a player that uh, might stand up and actually be a, a world star. You never know. Well, I think the other thing too, you can't replicate. You can't go back. You can only move forward with what you've got. And... The, the the brand of football we're playing is also going to be different because we we have to adjust to the personnel we have, which is what Ange has been doing, and that's always been the project that Ange brings to the table. And and even with this squad, the, the fact that he wants to, to to build depth in in that team so that he's got backup players, I think that's uh, an intelligent way to approach it. He's not he's not going to just put all his eggs in the in the golden generation basket. And I think you. He's, we're going to be a better squad and a better sort of national team for that, having having several fallback position players. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, the proof will be in the pudding, um, obviously in the Asian Cup, but also uh, we'll see how they go in these friendlies. The 4th of September against uh, Belgium in Liège and uh, against Saudi Arabia in, in London at Craven Cottage. Although I've got to say... Uh, Rodrigo, and we did mention this before, it always disappoints me that Max Vieri just doesn't get one more call-up, <laughs> just, just to show us that he, he still can yeah, deliver. Yeah, you, can, you, you, you mentioned that nearly every... I want you to do a bit of research on this. How did that guy ever get a game? I, I, I just reckon the old Soccer Australia, because that's who was running the, the sport <laughs> in those days, I reckon there was some wheeling and dealing going on there somehow for Maxi Vieri. And by the way, he showed a couple of nice touches here and there in those games he played. But for him to break through and play for the Socceroos, and we didn't even... It's almost like... Uh, <laughs> I think he I played know. one game, Carlos. No, I think he played two games. Two? Two games in the end. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. Well, let, let's uh, let's take a break. It's still one all in uh, China. Guangzhou Evergrande and Western Sydney Wanderers in the Champions League. Uh, and just to prove that we're getting into the spirit of the Champions League, before the break, let's have a listen. Uh, with thanks to Fox Sports, to both goals, Western Sydney Wanderers and Guangzhou Evergrande on the Four Diego's. And here goes Mark Bridge. And it's a penalty if it's not a goal. And it's a red card as well, surely, for the keeper. It's a huge moment. Oh, it's a yellow. Can you believe it? The Wanderers have the chance here to get the away goal. 
and it's Tommy Urich charged with the responsibility. From the same spot that Elkerson was denied by Ante Kovic in the first half. Zeng Cheng, a lucky boy, once. Tommy Urich, right into the bottom corner. Unerring, and it is silence in Guangzhou. The Wanderers have an away goal, 2-0 up on aggregate. Guangzhou now needs three. And look at this space, they've popped off here. And it's back to 1-1 one, one on the Knights. 2-1 on aggregate. And the Wanderers, job isn't done by any stretch. Class is when they run you out of town to look like you're leading a parade. This has been a profound coaching moment by the four Diegos. You are on your own, you do as you please. On 1116 SEN, the 4 Diego. Yes, we're here on a Wednesday night, of course, as usual. We're back next Wednesday as well. Uh, <laughs> but we've good. got half an hour to go on this show. Um, hey, uh, it's still one all in uh, in China. Guangzhou Evergrande won, Western Sydney Wanderers won in the 78th minute, and uh, they're peppering uh, the goal at the moment. 2 1 on aggregate for um, West Sydney Wanderers. Yeah. And by the way, we've got the crucial away goal too. Mm, so that means uh, they need to score, China, uh, mm. Guangzhou needs to score two more. And uh, oh, One of my favourite players is just coming on. Brendan Sandy Lab yes. and Tommy Urich. Oh, Viduka's going off. <laughs> The uh, yeah, the the new Viduka. Hey, uh, let's uh, cross to the man in the UK, and it's uh, Mike McGrath. Welcome to the show. Hi guys, thanks for having me on. Oh, look, it's our pleasure. Rodrigo here. You got Vinny, Warren, and Carlos as usual. Hey, Mike, uh, Manchester United. Uh, what they lose four nil against uh, MK Dons. Uh, did you get? Were you part of the Twitter action that uh, <laughs> that was happening in uh, celebration of Manchester United's absolute shellacking against MK Dons? No, I mean, yeah, I, I kind of, I obviously have to stay neutral, but you can't <laughs> help notice, but log on and see that people are taking, you know, great delight in United, you know, going from bad to worse, and maybe then backwards up again under that. Who kind of says that this isn't this isn't an overnight job? This is going to take a while to sort out, and they just looked. I mean, um, yesterday I thought the last goal. If you get to see it as well, it's just the striker. He's on loan from Arsenal. He's a young young striker, and he goes through three challenges just through kind of uh, just through kind of the will and desire to get the ball, and that's kind of the basic thing you need uh, if you're a or any player. Mike, are the Man U fans just really, really angry with Moyes for just killing this team because they, they were great and now they're not, and it must must put Van Gaal under even more pressure. I know that he's got he keeps saying it's going to take a while before it all gels and comes together, but his start is very reminiscent of what Moyes did in that he didn't get any momentum up at all. Yeah, I think um, I think United fans are pretty real, a pretty realistic bunch. So you're not talking about anger or anything like that. It's it's kind of the reality is uh, set in that this this club isn't um, uh, the, the team is not as good, um, you know, in the last couple of years uh, as they're used to, and they probably saw it coming as well. Even when they won the title in Fergie's last year, it, it probably wasn't a vintage. 
United crop and that maybe maybe this was coming. But it's still, you know, even even though United fans are pretty rational in terms of um, their support and who they target with criticism, you know, it's got to hurt, hasn't it? it if you if you're used to challenging for titles and and now uh, you, you're struggling, or, or even your second string with, with a decent amount of first team experience is struggling to get past their MK Dons. Um, yeah, so worrying times. Mike, it's Carlos. Uh, they purchased, obviously, they they uh, laid out or, or cashed out a, uh, a British record of 57, 58 million pounds on uh, Angel Di Maria, the uh, Argentinian international who uh, they bought from Real Madrid. Um, there's talk that that he may not suit Van Gaal's system, though. I mean, uh, with the, I think it's the three-five-two system that he, that he likes to play with, and with uh, Engel being a sort of a, almost a winger, uh, may not suit the system. Do you think that uh, Van Gaal's got some sort of plan for him within the three-five-two system, or will he change the system to suit Engel Di Maria, knowing that he's probably going to need more players than him? But you know, if you're going to lay out that much money, you're going to have to make him a centerpiece of your squad. Yeah, I think the three-four-three, which it, which it effectively is, is out of necessity rather than what uh, Van Hal really wants to do. So I think with Di Maria and his team, he could he could go back to a flat back four and then wing, uh, a winger out and out like um, Di Maria. The other way that it could work is if um, is if uh, Di Maria plays kind of just inside the wing back. So he's not uh, he's not like a, a fullback bombing forward, but he is more of a creative midfielder. He can play through the middle and probably has the pace to trouble defences from any angle, really. Um, but I think Van Gaal, instead of instead of saying right, this is my formation and we stick to it, I think he very much adapts to the players that he got that that, that he has at his disposal. And now he's got Di Maria. He's been crying out for out and out wits. He's got something more to work with, and, and we might see a change in the formation. Now, Mike, um, Mario Bellatelli brings Velcro bibs and a box of firecrackers to Liverpool. Risk, risk worth taking or potentially bad move on Brendan Rodgers' behalf? Well, I think that's what a risk is, isn't it? It could easily be, uh, easily be a bad move by Brendan Rodgers. If you look at the, uh, if you look at it that way, but I mean, I think the way Rogers has looked at it is that a player for potentially world class, sixteen million pounds, which would get you half of Wilfred Boney in the Premier League. So he's got somebody who is a match winner, uh, and cheap, but probably a risk worth taking if you're if you're a Liverpool manager or um, somebody signing off the uh, the sixteen million quid. It's not a lot of money um, and like I say potentially it's fantastic and I I think he's got the ability to kind of get the X factor that that Luis Suarez gave him last year and that's definitely what they were missing on Monday against City just a little bit of spark to trouble the real top teams and I think that's what he'll bring. And Mike I think we also see with Bellatelli that you know history has shown us that he does when he goes to a new club he does really does add value to them for a while at least until he gets bored. When he gets bored, that's when he starts, uh, you know, doing strange things. But maybe Rogers has said, 
look, he's probably going to be good for six to 12 months for us. Um, while I can uh, line up a truly world-class, I mean, not that Balotelli's not world-class, but I mean a consistent professional bloke who's going to deliver every week like Suarez did, until I can line up someone like him, maybe Balotelli will do the job for me in the meantime. Uh, yeah, I think absolutely. And in, in the same way that Suarez enjoyed that little that, that spell at Liverpool where he really proved himself and then he moved on, you know, I, football, people rest same now for very you know is he gonna is he gonna be an iconic leader like Steven Gerrard at Anfield probably not but he could get a couple seasons out um or they're looking for other things it's not a great deal of investment and it's not and it's easy to write off as well doesn't go well in Mm. you might even you might get 10 of that back um and and pass the problem on um, so I Paul probably think they've got the best end of this deal um, as, as as it stands could easily um, go all they're pretty happy yeah no I agree with you um, it does look at this early stage of the season Mike doesn't it that uh, Man City and Chelsea have probably got an edge of class across the field I think Liverpool were in that game until the mistake led to the first goal but they lacked that cutting edge and, and Jobotic who was injured for most of last season Scores a couple of goals and has, um, and we have Aguero coming on and scoring at his at his second touch. And when you add in the likes of the other players in in that team, and Chelsea have really improved their class with Costa and and Fabregas in particular. It does look like at this stage that Chelsea and Man City have just got that slight edge, particularly over probably their closest challenges in Arsenal and Liverpool. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. You know, it's only 180 minutes into the season. Um, that or just kind of Mr. Sanchez to get properly fit before we see anything like what we expect from him um, and Giroud the big blow I think Liverpool will get will get better with Balotelli and better once a few of the players bed in Markovic he, did, he didn't come on for very long but he made a good impact he could be a really good player for, for Liverpool um, and that as well that they were a bit flat against City but like you say City are pretty frightening at the moment they've got Jovetic you know looking like a completely different player seen and Dzeko too to a certain degree you know a year ago we're thinking is he going to get a new contract now he's a he's a, a big part there Guero as well is only going to get fitter and sharper so it's, it, it, was, it was a bit of a worrying performance for Premier League uh, title hopefuls on, um, match on Monday. Hey Mike, uh, we're going to have to leave it there, just having a little bit of trouble with your line but uh, pretty much getting uh, 95% of what you're saying <laughs> but um, we'll leave it there and we'll catch up with you again next week, thanks for your time Good guys. There's Mike McGrath from The Sun in the UK uh, it's still um, oh, it was nearly 2-1 to Guangzhou, but it's one all in the 88th minute in China. It looks like Western Sydney Wanderers, you'd have to say. Well, you never know. I mean, they're, they're obviously, they're full of uh, champions, uh, the Guangzhou team, so you don't want to count your chickens until right at the end of the game. But they were very, very close there with the ball just going wide past the post. Uh, but uh, West Sydney Wanderers are really fighting this out. I've got to say, there's some real resilience in this team. And uh, you've got to remember, West Sydney Wanderers, 
what, two weeks ago, lost against Adelaide City in the FFA Cup, and uh, and uh, they've lost a lot of players in the off-season. So this is a fantastic performance by them. And, and uh, Guangzhou had a penalty in the first half, too. It was yep. well saved by Ante Kovic. Um, they've done extremely well. I know it's a vicious rumour, but just uh, <laughs> just let's, let's, let's go, go with it while we go can. With, yeah. But I remember, you know, maybe three or four weeks ago, uh, Popovich was touted for the... It was a Crystal look Palace, here. Yeah. Crystal Palace. And given that Crystal Palace haven't hasn't plugged the hole there, I just wonder whether someone like uh, Popovich would be an outside chance, or it's just no. pie in the sky stuff because he just hasn't got a name for himself. Yeah, they've got to they've got to go for someone who is a bit of a relegation. Neil Warnock's just yeah, been yeah. appointed. Okay, there you go. Crystal so Palace, there you go. Yeah. So I was going mean, to say either Popovich or Warnock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> someone who's a relegation specialist who can save them from relegation. Neil Warnock. I know he's taken teams down, but he's actually done he's quite well yeah, with different yeah. teams too. Yeah. So. I mean, I reckon there's managers over in England who are quite happy just to be out of the game enough to wait to see someone uh, struggling and then uh, put their hand up. And I think Pulis is one of those guys. Warnock's another one. Uh, Redknapp uh, probably made a bit of money over this over his uh, career, just waiting for teams to give him a call uh, when their manager you know gets sacked maybe halfway or three quarters of the way through the season. They're called in last ten, fifteen games, uh, sort us out, make sure we stay up because it's worth millions and millions to them. Interesting stuff. Hey, let's take a break now and come back with more of the Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. I've had teams before. If you told them to go Route 1, they jumped on the Princess Highway bus to Adelaide. This has been a sad coaching moment by the four Diego's. On 1116 SEN, the four Diegos. As we bring Wednesday to a close and uh, coming up after the Diegos, it's All Night Appetite with uh, Scott Cooney. And from 12 to 1, it's NFL Thursday with uh, Will Batoulis. And, uh, and it's an interesting show. Hey, um, over there in uh, China, Guangzhou Evergrande scored... It's 2-1 with about, oh, about 15 seconds well, to go. Well, 2 all on aggregate. Yeah, but that's uh, right. So Western Sydney Wanderers uh, will will go through if um, it stays like this. But uh, it's it's deep in uh, it's deep in the uh, um half. And so it's junk time. Geez, did I just see a couple of bottles being thrown? Yeah, anyway, they're not happy with yeah, uh, Sabo. He's gone down quite uh, easily in the last couple of minutes. And a few of the... Guanzhou players have had a few words to say. Not that I'm thinking that he could understand a word that's saying, but uh, they're not happy with him at the moment. That's and it. it's over. It's all over now. Two all on aggregate. Uh, West Sydney Wanderers are through to the next round of the Asian Champions League. What a fantastic performance that was. And uh, I think we'll have to claim him. I know we're in the uh, we're in Melbourne, but uh, uh, you know it's a really terrific uh, performance given that I think uh, the what the the wage bill for uh, Guangzhou is about fifty million a year, yeah, and our salary cap is two point five mil or something like that. It's so, probably about to halve, yeah, Carlos. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> I think they're going to sack a few players, and maybe Lippy wasn't too happy. Uh, they 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 went to him in the uh, in the grandstand there, and he didn't look happy at all. So uh, great result. They're celebrating with gusto. The uh, West Sydney Wanderers it's boys at the moment. It's a great story. It yeah. really is a great story for Western Sydney Wanderers. This is a uh, you know, a team that, you know, what, two years ago, they're coming into their third uh, A-League season and, uh, you know, what are they, into a semi-final and you the, know, uh, Asian Champions League. And they'll play at home during the Rugby League finals and they'll get, you know, mm. Parramatta is the place they play and it looks like Parramatta will make the Rugby League Grand Finals. They'll get probably more there 
yep. for the for the next game, a semi a semi final than what Parramatta will get. They'll pack that out, and that's the one thing that could make Western Sydney Wanderers very hard to beat in these playoff rounds because they're suddenly mirroring a home ground advantage that teams in you know Japan or Korea or even China have. Just by the sheer numbers of people, I think they sold out last week's game, 17,000. But what I really like about the Australian clubs, and I was very critical, as you know, uh, with our performances in the Asian Champions League. For years and years, whenever we played against these sides, uh, we gave them too much space, they ripped us apart. It was just like they were class above the whole thing. But now the coaches are saying, hang on, you know, things might not go well early in the game or some part of the game, but they actually can coach and provide a solution for the players. We saw last week in the first half, Guangzhou was, was clearly the better side and probably should have scored a few goals. West Sydney hung in there, but at halftime, Tony Popovich fixed that. He really, they really closed them down. They defended a lot better and technically they were a lot better and suddenly got, they got the one nil win and they've gone away to China against a team that was seething. They, you know, Evergrande was seething after last week and uh, you'd think that with the resources they have, the crowd behind them, you really would think that they would have got the result tonight. And it was just a terrific performance. And, uh, and you know, well-deserved too. Even though Gwen, uh, Evergrande had a lot of chances on goals, I think West Sydney still had their chances and still played a very clever game. Absolutely. They take on FC Seoul, who defeated Pohang Steelers. So that would be a fantastic uh, match-up there, Western Sydney Wanderers versus FC Seoul. What about the FFA Cup? The... Uh the draw for the uh, round of 16 happened last week, and uh, some interesting games. Adelaide, well, let, let's go through them all. Adelaide City take on uh, Brisbane Strikers. And then... C- oh, yeah, that's um, 1988 NSL. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? Uh, Sydney Olympic take on Bentley Greens. That's fantastic. Bentley Greens. Good on you guys. And, uh, Good and, club, Bentley. Yeah, well, big, I mean... Big. Yeah, I mean, they, they do... They have done really well over the years to build that club... Uh, there at oh. Kingston Heath, uh, you know, from nothing. I still remember when that when, when they when before they had the big social club there, they just had a couple of shacks there. And when that club was, and it wasn't so long ago, maybe twenty years ago, twenty twenty five years ago, they were they were just a small club, just uh, very dedicated volunteers. And uh, now they find themselves in the last sixteen of the uh, FFA Cup. It's fantastic. Palm Beach Sharks take on South Springvale. So that's going to be a fantastic uh, clash of those two clubs. And, yeah, this, the boys from Springvale will be happy to get up on the Gold Coast yeah, for a right. couple of days, yeah. you would think, just yeah. away from the Melbourne weather. Yeah, no, it should be fantastic. And then Adelaide United uh, play Brisbane Raw. That's, uh, that's an all-A-League uh, match-up there. And uh, Olympic FC take on Central Coast Mariners. Um, and then, um, this is amazing, Sydney United take on Sydney FC. That... Uh, Luck of the draw. Yep. Mark Rudin coaches um, Sydney United, a premiership yep. player at Sydney FC. And, and many I think people... they're struggling a bit in the, in, the, in the premiership, Sydney United, but doing okay in those games. Yeah, but uh, they, they were talking about Mark Rudin possibly being the Sydney FC coach before Graham Arnold right. picked it up. So a lot of people were actually very, uh, very supportive of that move, but he didn't end up getting it. But you can see, even with his uh, special comments, oh, yes. <laughs> there for, uh, Sydney, for Fox Sports. He gets to play around with that, you know, that uh, interactive whiteboard, <laughs> he Carlos. Can, that means you know what master. you're doing. Well, they've been looking for that at Fox. <laughs> they didn't know where it went. So. Yeah, no, it's in the Sydney United change rooms. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, David King's using it at the moment. Oh, yeah, yeah he's make, he makes it work super. Um, Tuggeranong United in Canberra take on Melbourne Ooh, Victory. Yes. This, is, this is a banana skin. Yeah, they'll be, they'll be looking for a throwback to, like, 
misty, cool weather in Canberra <laughs> somewhere. And uh, yes, but uh, I think yeah, I think victory might win the whole thing. They've got nothing to lose, though. No, got nothing to lose. Absolutely, not a great name. But victory, but victory uh, <laughs> they are. I can't. You know, there are some A League clubs that are almost built to be beaten at different times against. You know, they get complacent. They get a bit cocky. I think Sydney FC are like that. But uh, when it comes to Melbourne victory, this yeah. side, they just so, they seem so. I don't know. Focused at the moment. Yes. They're, they're not. Uh, they're not a team that uh, has been talking much during the off season. They let Melbourne City do all that, uh, and I just reckon they were so focused over there when they played in Perth against Bayswater City. They did a clinical job. They did what they needed to do. I just can't see this being a, a banana skin over there. Not with Barisha in the side, Valeri. These guys are great players. Milligan, you know, great players. Good confidence there, Carlos. And St Albans Saints take on Perth Glory. Well, they play Churchill home. Reserve. That's what I want to know. <laughs> of course, <laughs> they've got to play there. I'm oh. not sure where they're playing. Actually, it's a good, good question, Carlos. And uh, the two games are on the uh, Tuesday, the 16th of September. Well, there's, there's four matches on that game, and there's also on that night, and there's also four matches on the 23rd. And it's back of on Fox, is it? After our little prognostication yeah, but, uh, last yeah, week? Yeah, I think so. And. Uh, and they're talking about, you know, I just read something today late in the day, that, it, that, that they're talking about the FFA banning clubs from streaming their games. You know how they were streaming them? Uh, apparently they're banning the clubs from doing that. So I well, reckon get it's, it on Fox then. Well, that's the thing. You know, if you're going to do that, get it on TV. Exactly. Because that's not just that's not fair for people. You know, you want to you want this whole grassroots revolution and bring everyone together and suddenly half the population can't watch it. Uh, because of some branding issue or some sort of a TV rights issue. Well, show it on TV Play then. Play it. Yes, I agree with you. Guangzhou Evergrande, uh, they defeated Western Sydney Wanderers 2-1 tonight, but it was uh, 2-all on aggregate. And because of the away goal, Western Sydney Wanderers go into the semi-final of the Asian Champions League to take on FC Seoul. Jack in Eltham, why was Lippy allowed to smoke a cigar during the match? <laughs> Fair dinkum, no respect for fellow patrons. Thank you very much there, Jack. Hey, it's been a big show. That's it for this week's show, boys. Uh, don't forget, after the Diego's, it's All Night Appetite with Scott Cooney from 12 till 6 and in from 12 till 1, NFL Thursday with uh, Will Batulis. Uh, so remember, Carlos. We have a Puerto Rican girls. Hang out. We'll, we'll be, be there. there. We'll review Samba Rumba and La Bamba. We'll, we'll be, be there. there. We'll be there are girls with fruit on their head and balls at their face. We'll, we'll be, be there. there. We have the gringos play football. We'll, we'll be, be there. there. We are the 40 Diego. Oh, hey. hey.